brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Critically Reclaimed, a podcast where we do podcast things. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Woody Seibold. I, too, am a critic. And this podcast does have a premise. Uh, we had, uh, well, just just to re- reiterate briefly, uh, when, when the pandemic uh, first sort of broke out and everybody had to start staying home, we decided to start revisiting all of the streaming services that we had at our fingertips rather than just watch new films. Yeah, and and a lot of those streaming services tend to focus very heavily on whatever is new on those streaming services. Hey, we got a new movie with Tom Hanks this week, yada yada. And we were like, great, what have you got that's old? Because this is what we have to access Mm. for film history now. We should take a look at what's over there and make sure that that doesn't get lost in the shuffle. So every week on Critically Reclaimed, Whitney and I each pick a streaming service, different one every week, and we each pick two films from that streaming service that uh, at least one of us has never seen before, or maybe hasn't seen since we were very, very small. And uh, then we we watch it and try to sort of talk about that mm-hmm. and review it and stuff. I don't know. I kind of lost my train of thought there. <laughs> but yeah, we review, we review movies we, that yeah, are we, maybe we, classics or cult classics mm-hmm. or popular films that one or both of us haven't seen. And yeah, we try to bring them into our new, our, our, this new world in which we live, don't we? We're try, trying to expand the conversation backward into film history. And yeah. uh, this, uh, this week we chose Films on the Criterion Collection, which has yeah. no shortage of great films and classics. Nope, just a ton of films from throughout film history, from a variety of different uh, cultures and genres and decades. And our listeners over at Patreon.com, mm. if you're a patron at Patreon.com slash Critically Acclaimed Network, you can vote for this every single week, even $1 a month, you get to vote for this show, and you also get our uh, weekly episodes of our Batman podcast. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, they chose... Uh, a, a film that it's one of those movies that you you hear is on Criterion and you're like, huh? Why, and then you, why that one? Because yeah. Criterion has this kind of a snooty quality to it. It seems to be it's, <laughs> there's a certain elevation they of are, like these are the great films. Maybe so you if could you just hear say, an action uh, movies on there, you say to yourself, huh? Maybe you could just say uh, it's a very carefully curated service. Well, I'm, I'm that's my point. Is yeah. I feel like we confuse that with snooty. Oh, okay, and so. If a movie is on the Criterion Collection that is of a genre that some people don't always associate with the Criterion Collection, you'd better believe it's there for a reason. Yeah, like uh, they, they put out this rather wonderful box set, which you got for me for as a Christmas present mm-hmm. once. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Of uh, all of the Showa-era Godzilla films. Yeah. That is from the original film all the way through the mid-70s, uh, before they rebooted the franchise in the yeah. 80s. Hell of a set. Uh, yeah, and it's... Godzilla pounding the stuffing out of other monsters, yeah. guys in in rubber suits stumping around on miniature Toho sets. Yeah, one of my the stuff favorite, you used uh, to see uh, on yeah. public TV when you were a kid. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, uh, sets I've ever gotten from Criterion mm. is their Zatoichi set, which is like mm. nearly two dozen movies. Oh yeah, uh, about a wandering blind samurai masseuse and. A lot of people wrote those movies off as, you know, just an action series for a long time. But no, those are really incredible films. There's something it's, to consider there. They're, well, it's they're consistently great. Like, mm. there's really aren't, like, 
It doesn't like ah oh, after about six they start to stink. Like no, they're all good. Yeah, like it's really yeah. wild. And um, I think Criterion understands that what's popular sometimes isn't just popular. Sometimes it has a lot to say mm. about us, about where we are culturally, about where the genre is at the moment. And when they put something that feels populist on Criterion, <laughs> something that's more, especially if it's more recent, not just like an old classic comedy from the 30s. Yeah. Um, they're doing it on purpose. And I'm really, really glad that Criterion has finally gotten around in recent years to incorporating the films of Jackie Chan, who is one of the great movie stars of the later half of the 20th century, still going today. Um, and uh, his work w took a while to get any sort of critical appraisal in America. It was mostly overlooked until about the 90s. Well, they they weren't made widely available in the United States until the nineties. Yeah. So a lot of them was, were on home video, but there weren't a lot of theatrical releases, not prominent ones anyway. You, know, you would find uh, a lot of uh, Hong, not just Jackie Chan, but a lot of Hong Kong action cinema in uh, drive-ins, grindhouses. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of collectors of B movies were really familiar with them. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they they weren't uh, mainstream. I think the one that really kind of broke it open, uh, at least. It, in, to my, in, in in the United States was uh, Jackie Chan's film Rumble in the Bronx. Yeah, which is which not is... even one of his best movies, but it was mm. the movie that they decided to dub and give a major release in America at a on a weekend which was conducive to that. Mm. And and it, and it was a hit. It, it was it a hit. Had kind of really brought Jackie Chan yeah. to a new generation of fans. A, a lot of people yeah. knew he was already. He's a yeah. gigantic movie star all around the world, but right. yeah, was relative, like kind of a cult figure in the United States yeah. until Rumble in the Bronx. Yeah. But and, um, uh, after that, that's when he started getting work in American productions. Yeah. The Jackie Chan, of course, had been working in Hong Kong films since well, for decades. And mm. he, it, he put in his dues. He was actually like, has very small roles in a couple of Bruce Lee movies. And then, um, he started to star in movies, but it wasn't until he started to basically accept that his persona is unique and start to popularize and then eventually functionally create the kung fu comedy genre hmm. that he became a gigantic breakout star. His movies were make, just printing money in Hong Kong and China. Uh, and uh, he was one of the biggest movie stars in the world before Americans largely knew who he was. Mm. Jackie Chan has made a wide variety of excellent films. If you haven't seen uh, the two Drunken Master movies, please do. If you haven't no. seen Project A, please do. If you haven't seen uh, uh, Wheels on Meals, please do. Uh, Meals on Wheels. Meals no. on Wheels. No, 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 no. Meals on Wheels is what the actual thing is. The yes. joke of the movie is it's Wheels on Meals. Ah, got it. I okay. always get that confused. But that's a, that's a classic as well. Uh, but a film that Jackie Chan considers his best film, and a film that also sort of exploded a new genre, uh, is the film that we're talking about today. It is available on the Criterion channel and the Criterion collection. It is Jackie Chan's Police Story. Police Story has a rather generic title. Police Story is called Police Story, and allegedly the reason why is because Jackie Chan was so popular that if he announced he was making a movie, there would be rip-off movies made immediately to just sort of like, oh, is Jackie Chan doing a movie about, about I don't know, a lovable dog? Well, we'll do a million lovable dog movies and beat him to the punch. It's kind of like when The Abyss was coming out and there were a whole bunch of underwater monster movies. Uh, Jackie Chan really didn't do a movie with a dog. But... Uh, 
Police Story was a general enough title that no one could really copy it. Yeah. <laughs> so this is just uh, this is Jackie Chan's riff on American action movies of the eighties. Stuff that was coming out like uh, you know Cobra or Nighthawks or Commando. Uh, this is Jackie Chan playing a police officer who is pure of heart and absolutely. Uh, uh, a, a true hero, except he's super duper sexist. Uh, but uh, and it's him fighting off an evil gang, and then they frame him for murder, and then he has to go renegade, and he gets increasingly more violent as the film goes on. Goes from being a lovable doofus hero to being a hard nosed badass hero. Yeah, yeah. And um, Jackie Chan had tried to break out into America. He'd done a movie called The Protector, which nobody talks about for a reason. And this was him basically saying, okay, I'll do American movies in Hong Kong and I'll do them better. And uh, he, um, his philosophy when it came to uh, action cinema was uh, he, he knew that people wanted to see people actually doing those things. Yeah. Uh, he objected to, and he said this in interviews, he didn't like the idea of a lot of sort of clever editing or uh, too many like wide shots of stunt yeah. performer, like faceless the, stunt performers. The idea of someone doing a stunt is nowhere interest as nowhere near as interesting as seeing someone do a stunt. Yeah. So like you can have someone jump off a building and then cut to them landing on the ground and people at home will get the idea of, Oh, that guy jumped off a building. Okay. I get the, I get the gist of it. Mm. But if you actually see someone jump off a building in one shot, they never leave the frame. You cannot fake this. And then have them land on the ground. You go, holy yeah. shit! Uh, so he had been doing stunts uh, in the early part of his career. He'd been he started his uh, stunt career in the '60s, uh, and eventually started uh, getting work as stunt coordinators as well as stunt performers and acting in movies. Uh, he then started directing movies in uh, like sometime in the mid '70s. Let me look up what his directorial I debut. Think he didn't start directing until the um, early '80s, but he, his first film as a director was in 1979. Ah, it was so called uh, a, fear, a film called "The Fearless Hyena," oh, yeah, which I'm not familiar yeah. with. Um, but uh, he, yeah, he wanted to stage every shot as a openly and as clearly as possible, yeah. and he wanted to have all of the stunts in a, in a many cases a kind of a static frame. Like, he wants two cars to ram into each other. He wants the two people who are standing on the tops of those cars to jump off at each other and, like, crash through windows for real. He doesn't want anyone in the audience to question whether or not it happened. And he also wants to make sure that uh, audiences knew that it was him doing it. So he actually framed a lot of his stunts specifically so you could see his face. Yeah. uh, Which I think is kind of a brilliant way to stage an action scene because now we can actually see what the hero is doing. Yeah. You'll notice even... uh, there was a, a little clip circling of, of the film Eternals, which, as of this recording, hasn't been released yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, with uh, Angelina Jolie fighting a CGI monster. And she spins around, and then there's this hard edit to her spinning out of frame. It's clearly not her doing that stunt. Right. It's, and I'm not, and no one's blaming her for it. No one no, has, these stunts are dangerous, so no one has to well, like do everything. In, in the case of Angelina Jolie, it's a monster, so it's not dangerous. Well, you know but, what I mean. Like it's complicated choreography. I don't, I don't blame yeah. anyone for using a stunt double. The, I you, get using it, a but. lot of these shortcuts, and especially in the age of CGI, when it's a lot easier to sort of fudge, uh, it's it it kind of robs a lot of action scenes of uh, their excitement and how dynamic they mm-hmm. are to view and. Uh, Jackie Chan was fighting that from early on. Mm-hmm. He wanted to make sure you saw everything. And you say he was the, the founder of the Kung Fu comedy, and he's famously said in many, many interviews that he was inspired by, yes, other uh, fight choreographers and fighters in uh, Hong Kong cinema, but also uh, silent comedians and slapstick. Yeah. 
Her, uh, he does. There's an awesome uh, Harold Lloyd movie, Safety Last, mm. where at the end of it, he has to free climb a building. No rope, no nothing, no mm. hook, just with his hands. And it all ends with him hanging from a clock. Yeah, and like it's a he, he, very famous cinema image. Yeah, even if you've never seen the movie, you're probably familiar with the image of a guy with glasses hanging from a clock for dear life about mm. to fall into New York City. Uh, Jackie Chan did his version of that in Project A. That's probably his most famous homage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jackie Chan, yeah, he's very much influenced by silent comedians like Harold Lloyd and Buster Keaton, who also wanted people to be dazzled by what they saw on camera and go, wow, I can't believe someone really did that. Yeah. Uh, watch The General at some point. Oh and that's, that's as impressive as any Jackie Chan movie. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Jackie Chan watched The General many, many times. You can tell. You can tell. Uh, and he, but he also kind of knew that the types of stunts and action he needed to do. I mean, these are tropes of genre films. You don't, you're not going to have an extended car chase and fight scene in the middle of a romantic comedy necessarily. I mean, you, you uh, can, and people used to do that more often. Yeah. But he didn't do romantic comedies. People paid so, to see him fight. So he, uh, he is um, operating within a lot of schlock when it comes to genre and story, and the yeah. story to something like Police Story. Is pretty bland stuff. Yeah. By it's, design, it's yeah. only meant to carry a few comic set pieces and a few action set pieces. Yeah, this is one of those movies where very specifically Jackie Chan had ideas for set pieces and they built the movie around it. Mm-hmm. It opens with it opens and closes with two absolutely phenomenal stunts. And there's phenomenal stunts in the middle too. But the opening is I was watching this and I, I'd seen this movie before and I remembered a lot of it, but there's when you watch the opening stunt chase, it is so much more thrilling than any American action movie I've seen in a really <laughs> long time. It opens with a police raid. Uh, there's uh, money exchanging hands between uh, a, a gangster and another gangster, and mm-hmm. that's that. Um, Jackie Chan is part of the squad of police who are monitoring the situation, ready to move in as soon as they catch people in the middle of a crime. Uh, it all goes bad. They're made immediately. And it culminates in... There's a big shootout. The shootout's fine. But it culminates in a car chase. It's at the top of a hill. Oh, and on the hill... At the top of like a, a, a shanty town, yeah, essentially. Yeah, there's the really the hastily made structures. Mm. And it's full. It's really dense. And... There's a car chase through the shanty town that just bursts through every damned house, mm. and cars flip over and keep driving, and it is absolutely stunning. It is mostly done in long, static, long, mm. le- like like held shots. Like they're not cutting around it. We want you to be. It would be like if you were standing over here and that just happened across the block, <laughs> and you're it's. Absolutely phenomenal and wild to see. Mm. And then it gets bigger. <laughs> because what happens is the, the bad guys end up at the bottom of the hill and they immediately hijack a bus so they can get out of there. Jackie Chan sees the bus going down the hill, and it's one of those like you know circular roads around a hill. So he times it so that he can slide down the hill and hit the bus, but he also steals an old lady's umbrella. So he grabs the umbrella and hooks it onto the back of the bus. So now he is being dragged behind the bus backwards, not even like Indiana Jones, mm. but he's actually upside down trying to run backwards with this bus and then trying to climb up the bus with this umbrella. 
And then after getting into a giant fight on the bus where he's knocked into windows, out of windows, he falls off the bus. He ends up running down the street again, catching the bus in front of a car. And then he is opening fire on the bus while the bus is coming towards him. And every Jackie Chan movie, all the great ones, end with outtakes to show you just how dangerous everything was. Oh, yeah. There's one where you can see Jackie Chan came within like one foot of getting creamed by this bus. They didn't get the timing right. And he almost got flattened between a bus and a Uh, car. Jackie Chan has nearly died. Many times. Many, many times. Multiple times on this film. Do you remember that that episode of Tales from the Crypt where Joe Pantaleano like shunts a cat's nine lives into his body so he can die multiple times? No, I don't remember that at all. That sounds amazing. It's, it's called Dig That Cat, He's Real Gone. And, That's amazing. Uh, I want to see that episode. Yeah, and, and he he's uh, his final, and he does like these death stunts and his final yeah. stunt is he's going to be buried alive and he realizes they had to kill the cat to get the lives into him so he doesn't have any lives left. He's oh. in, in the ca- coffin banging on the lid. No, I don't have any lives. Jackie Chan has ruined so many cats in order to survive whatever he does in his movies. He That's is the darkest possible take you could possibly yeah, ja- have on Jackie, Jackie Chan. Ch- Jackie Chan has, has gone, gone to a mad scientist and had cat lives put into Dear his God. body because he has survived so much yeah. and injured himself many times, yeah. uh, and which he shows. Yeah. We'll show him like breaking a, a foot or something. There's a stunt at the end of this one where mm. he, uh, we'll talk about it when we get to it, he not only burned himself on like unsafe electrical equipment, uh, but also dislocated his pelvis. How do you even do I that? I didn't know you could do that. That's like the one you can't dislocate. I thought that uh, was kind of stuck on there. Dear God. I dislocated my whole skull somehow. And then he somehow. kept making movies after that. He kept making yeah, more and more yeah, dangerous films. Holy crap. Uh, and he even found ways to do stunts while injured uh-huh. so he could continue doing work. Um, there's a, a really great outtake uh, for Rumble in the Bronx. A film I watched a lot, by the way, mm. uh, where he broke his foot. They put his foot in a cast. And they just gave him a rubber sneaker that fit over the cast that looked like yeah. a regular shoe. Yeah. So he could keep on walking around on With his like cast a broken foot. foot. Yeah. Like, and keep on doing scenes with a broken foot. Jackie, we love you. You didn't have to do that. <laughs> My favorite outtake is, you know, he's like jumping onto hovercrafts and diving off of buildings and jumping mm-hmm. out of cars' ways and ducking under rolling pinball machines, all kinds of wild stuff. Mm-hmm. There's one wonderful outtake where he gets out of a car, starts walking, and just trips and falls over. <laughs> of all the things. It's like, that's, and he looks up and he just like, like, it's the biggest laugh he's ever had in his life. It's like that, that, what if that was the one that took him out? He just yeah. trips. We, 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 so, this is at an important point right now. And I think mm. we're having, we're having a good laugh over all the mm. danger that Jackie Chan put himself through, but mm. it's worth noting that movie sets have been really cavalier with people's safety throughout mm. history. And there's a lot of people whose responsibility is to keep movie sets as safe as possible. Many of times they do a good job, but there mm. are people who are injured. And we've seen recently mm. and very much in the news, people who've died because yeah. of bad safety on sets or just stunts gone wrong for a million different reasons. Mm. A, the fact that Jackie Chan is still alive is some kind of miracle, but B, I think it's important to remember that while we can appreciate that Jackie Chan went into all this stuff knowingly, he had experience as a stuntman, Mm -hmm. he did the best work he could to make sure all of these stunts were as safe as they could be for him, he didn't ask people to do anything he wasn't doing himself, Uh, it's also kind of cruel that we made him do this, if you think about it. There's also a a certain element that was just like, I love you so much for all this incredible stuff that you have contributed to cinema, 
but it's also so spectacularly dangerous, and a part of me just wants to protect him <laughs> from doing I, dangerous things. Well, because just... we shouldn't ask this of people. This is actually kind of weird mm. and cruel to ask this of not Bugs Bunny. Well, you know? well, if if you look into uh, Jackie Chan, wasn't just a stunt coordinator. He has his own stunt studio, and yeah. in fact, you can see in the outtakes of this film, of Police mm-hmm. Story, the people wearing the Jackie Chan stunt studio shirts. He had mm-hmm. an entire, uh, he was running an entire business doing stunts, and he understood what was dangerous, but also how to do it safely and how to talk to people about, uh, you know, agree coming to agreements with other stunt people as to what they were willing to do and how dangerous they were willing to, to do things. And he felt if it was too dangerous, he wouldn't ever ask anybody else to do that. Right. He would do it himself yeah. just because he you know, had that, you know, that thrill addiction, whatever he was, whatever was driving him. But, uh, yeah, he, he actually played super safe when it came to dangerous stunts, as these things tend to go. Yeah. Um, this isn't like, you know, there's, we bring it up a lot. There's a, a wonderful documentary called Not Quite Hollywood about the wild and woolly days of uh, Australian exploitation movies. Yeah. And how they, they were just blowing up car. They just, let's drive a car out into, the, you know, out into an open field and blow it up and see what happens. And there's like pieces flying really close to the camera and they're all just sort of wiping their, their foreheads going, Phew, that was, I'm glad we didn't die. Mm-hmm. But they were clearly doing things like guerrilla style, like on the fly. They yeah. were getting some well, pretty spectacular shots, and that's, but you see the danger. That's why they're spectacular. To, to some extent, Jackie Chan was doing that too. A mm. lot more Kung Fu movies than you might realize were choreographed on the fly. Mm. And a lot of the stunts that they were doing were things that, yeah, they planned it out, but you know, they're not as... Yeah, well, they, haven't, they haven't been working on these things for nine months. These yeah, movies Jack, are shot very fast. They were shot fast, but Jackie Chan, uh, in particular, knew how to ex- uh, take advantage of the surroundings. He was also yes. very interested in staging set pieces in a particular place, not yeah. like a fight scene that could be taken out and put anywhere. Yeah, just, it's not just two uh, people punching each other in a room. And there's mm-hmm. a sequence at the end of Police Story where they're in a department store and there's glass everywhere. Mm-hmm. Every single pane of glass will be broken by someone's <laughs> yeah. head and or butt. And, and <laughs> Jackie Chan takes two dives into like a yeah. glass floor uh, during that sequence, and it's not sugar. It's 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 a, it's a candy glass or sugar glass. Well, sugar glass. Yeah, it's, it's not made, like made it's sugar. It's not the safe glass. There's the real stuff. It's, some yeah. of it's some of it. I mean, some of it's it's not like the most dangerous glass you could possibly get. But like, there's different levels of safety glass. They did not get the stuff that doesn't look dangerous. They mm. got the stuff that yeah, Jackie could have died multiple times just now. Mm. Um, in any case, I just think it's important that we remember that as much as we can celebrate Jackie Chan for doing all of this mm. and for wanting to capture all of this and we can appreciate the wonder of these stunts, I do think it's important every once in a while to question them and also to remember that this is, we, 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 we don't have to do this. <laughs> it's okay. Well, you know, like, well, it, it, it I does want our however, actors safe and... Well, and this is something I wanted to bring up about Police Story because like I said that this the story kind of doesn't matter. They're, they're trying to catch a crime boss. There's a witness to the crime boss. Uh, most of the movie is Jackie yeah. Chan having to protect that witness so she can testify in court. Yeah. And uh, there's other twists besides. I do want to talk a little bit about the plot because mm-hmm. I do think there's some important stuff in it. But, like, we're mm-hmm. just talking about the stunts and stuff right now. But uh, Jackie Chan understands and uh, what is... what cinema is and the cinema is uh you know using a a motion picture camera to capture something real there's got to be some truth to what you're looking at and he understands that a big part of going to uh films a lot of people like to go to films to be thrilled or excited by something and he feels the best way to excite someone is to show them uh, essentially real danger yeah is that responsible 
that's up to the filmmakers, that's up to the audiences, whether or not they want to participate in that. Sure. Uh, if, if you feel that that is completely irresponsible and you don't want to see people actually risking their lives, don't see that movie. Oh, sure. sure. That's, I'm just, I'm just saying, I want us, I want us to but just not take it for granted. I don't want to talk Don't about take it for granted, yeah. but the, the idea that, uh, you know... Uh, real something that is actually dangerous or at least looks really dangerous and is very real and people doing you know really exciting things without faking it is one of the in the media sense one of the purest forms of cinema yeah it's like a good dance sequence i want to see somebody actually dance agree yeah and that's true for kung fu as well yeah. jackie chan's uh, fight scenes are very much the same way yeah, it's that's yeah. why you and i get so frustrated when we see a musical and there's all kinds of edits to sort of cover the fact that the people are only dancing for like maybe a few seconds at a time yeah it's like that's not a dance sequence that's just a series of edits yeah same with a fight sequence. If you're editing all the time and you know, you're know you filming from angles where we can't see the actors' faces, mm-hmm. it, it has this sort of artificiality yeah. to it and it doesn't strike as no. like effective action cinema. This, this is one of the reasons why like, if you start watching like some of the old school Jackie Chan, Jet Li, Bruce Lee movies, uh, you start getting really... Your, your standards elevate and yeah, all of a yeah. sudden, even the action sequences that you used to enjoy in movies like... I don't know, Batman Begins or mm. the Bourne movies or um, even mm. the American Mortal Kombat, uh, which has like two good fights and a bunch of not good fights. <laughs> um, they just, they're, like, they lose their, they lose their luster. I like the fight in hell. Yeah, the Scorpion the, fight's yeah, really they, good they, in that. They, that's, they, that's, they, that's, fall, they fall through a portal and just fight in hell for a minute. The Scorpion fight is actually mm. a rock solid fight in Mortal Kombat. Like, it's mm. actually well done. They, they choreographed it well. There's a lot of visual variety in it. Uh, the actors can both fight. So, like, that one works really, really well. But I think the majority of the fights in Mortal Kombat are, like, okay. But when you watch the movies that Mortal Kombat is riffing on, mm. movies like Enter the Dragon, which is an American production, but they do a pretty good job of it, or uh, Master of the Flying Guillotine, uh, you, you just see how lacking it is. Yeah, and um, and uh, I, I work at a New Beverly Cinema. One, one day every week is Grindhouse Night, and I've projected a lot of those old Hong, Hong Kong action films. Yeah. And... A, a lot of them, they're they're complete nonsense. Like you can't understand yeah. what's going on in the story. The plot's they a little incidental, and yeah. in fact, uh, these movies were uh, made so quickly and imported so haphazardly that a lot of them were just several films edited together. It's like Sometimes. we found we found fight scenes and we kind of maybe filmed something new or maybe not and just sort of strung it all together. And yeah, sometimes the plots don't, were yeah. like inaccurately like uh, uh, represented in the, in the English dub. Yeah. 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 The names Char- were often changed. That kind yeah, of thing. Actors would appear and uh, yeah. disappear. They, they, they were yeah, really, really in terms of filmmaking, completely sloppy, but in terms of fights, unbelievably well, I also think compelling. It's, I also think it's worth noting that because of the way that they were sort of mangled on the way over here, oh. um, Sometimes movies are actually really, really good, but they come across badly in America, which is one of the reasons why I get really frustrated when I see people making fun of kung fu movies. And I'm like, actually, the movie you're making fun of right now is legitimately great. It's just never had a good presentation in America and everyone, no one was able to take it seriously here. Mm. And that's always frustrating to me. Uh, well, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a genre that is not very well curated in America. Yeah, um... And my boss, Quentin Tarantino, yeah. I, I'd have to mention yeah. this, and this is just my experience working at a theater. I'm not commenting on him or his films, uh, but uh, he uh, 
he's clearly very fond of them and is yeah. trying to uh, sort of keep carry the torch. And, yeah, uh, and I actually appreciate they, they come that, yeah. up in some of his screenplay, like in, in a movie he wrote called True Romance. Mm-hmm. There's oh, a yeah. lot of talk about kung Sun, fu movies. Sun, well, that's Sunny Chiba, Chiba that's and, karate, but yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, the, I, I Mar- martial arts. Before uh, he he ran the New Beverly, he would sometimes do programming at the New Beverly, and I remember I went to a couple of double features that he programmed, mm. and I remember very distinctly he was there, and he said, "Hey, everybody, I know that like." There's this weird cultural thing we have about kung fu movies in America. It's not funny. Mm. Don't laugh. There's sometimes there are jokes in the movie. Laugh at the jokes. The... Don't laugh at the film. That's on you, not the film. Yeah. And I appreciated that. Uh, but anyway, back to police story. Um, so the plot is uh, we've we've captured we've apprehended this guy, but we don't have enough evidence to necessarily nail him. So we need to get his secretary, played by mm. Bridget Lin. Uh, to uh, to rat him out, and Jackie Chan is put in charge of uh, protecting her so that uh, the bad guys can't kill her. She refuses. She doesn't like Jackie Chan because he's kind of an asshole. And uh, sure enough, in order to get her to believe that the danger is real and let Jackie Chan protect her, Jackie Chan enlists one of his friends on the force to pretend to be a murderer, mm. break into her house, and try to stab her with a knife. And then, just when she's convinced that they're trying to kill her. Jackie Chan's like, okay, now get out of here. Then she starts hitting the guy on the head with successively heavier objects. She hits him with a vase, and he gets really dazed. And then she hits him with another vase, and he's pretty much unconscious at that point. Then she wants to kill him with a concrete column. the, The joke is... Jackie Chan has to pretend to continue to fight this guy off when he's unconscious. And it comes... It's this, like martial arts weekend at Bernie's moment where yeah. he has to grab the guy's belt and like hold his nose in his teeth and while he's waving around the guy's hand with the knife yeah. in it saying oh no he's killing me get get out of here he's attacking me it's an incredible bit mm-hmm. of choreography but the premise of the scene is fucked up yeah it's yeah. incredibly horrifically corrupt from the cop's perspective and that's, uh, that's, it's, and that's, it's, that's they've endangered the, uh, this woman they've traumatized her like from her perspective that's the dark element of yeah. a lot of these these martial arts films is that they are blazingly sexist well and I think that's and here's and that's unfortunately true for a lot of action cinema in the 80s in general. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is also something. There's there's uh, it's so frustrating because there's so many Hong Kong movies that have so many incredibly wonderful elements and action sequences and storylines and cinematography. But there, throughout a lot of these, this is a very macho genre, and there are there is a lot in even some of the better seeming movies. Mm. It's a lot of sexism. There's a lot of homophobia. There's a lot of xenophobia. Um, it's you got to be careful which ones of these you recommend. And I was actually I did not remember very vividly just how sexist this movie can be, mm. and it is. And it's fortunately it's not in every single scene, so at least for a while you can be like, okay, well at least the sexism is over for now. We can enjoy this chase <laughs> scene. But like it's enough of it that unfortunately, as much as this movie is considered a classic, and in many respects it is, this has to come with an asterisk on it. Some mm. of the stuff is hard to watch. Like yeah, there's a bit where they so Jackie Chan takes. Bridget Lane home and his girlfriend, played by Maggie Chung, the great <laughs> right. Maggie Chung, a, a, a young Maggie Chung who has a, yeah. a very tiny role in this. Yeah, movie. she's 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 Jackie Chan's long suffering girlfriend, and she sees him coming home with uh, Bridget Lin, and she's like scantily clad because she just come out of the shower, and Maggie Chung mis- mistakenly thinks that something sexual is going on and gets really mad at him. Uh, she runs off and he runs after her and he like tries to grab her while she's driving away on her moped and he pulls her off the moped and she like lands on her butt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's a hell of a stunt, but it's also like, dude, 
That's her, really leave, fucked leave, up. Leave her alone. And then like he goes inside and he's talking about he's talking to Bridget Lynn about how like oh yeah she's fine she loves me yeah mm. she'll forgive me I got her wrapped around my finger and meanwhile Br- Maggie Chung is like shown up. And like she, he doesn't know she's there because he's taking mm. a shower. And Bridget Lynn's like, "Oh yeah, but sure, you love her, right? Yeah, I love her fine, but you know, I don't love her too much." And it's just like, what a <laughs> fucking dick! What a piece of shit this guy is. Um, eventually, Maggie, uh, Bridget Lynn realizes that she's been duped, and she ends up running out on him. And then he's got to find her again. There's this whole wacky set piece at a uh, at a uh, a trial. Where oh, he's yeah, recorded yeah. her, but she made it look like sound like he was like they were having, having sex, fair, so yeah. like it ends up being wacky and funny and embarrassing him. But he finds her again, and uh, the bad guys are trying to kill her. There's this incredible sequence where they have to jump off a building into a swimming pool, and the building is on a hill, hmm. and the swimming pool is not even right next to it. You That's have a, to get the angle just right. It's, it's a pretty big leap yeah. to make it into that pool. It's, and it's not a not, straight drop down. And it's not like a fake swimming pool where it's really super deep. It's a regular swimming pool. This is the equivalent of like a five-story jump mm. into a swimming pool. And Jackie Chan just throws Bridget Lynn off and into the swimming pool. And it's just it's, it's thrown not, aside. I know it's not her, but it, like it's... Well, it's, it's not her and yeah. it's not in one shot. So like no, we it, don't it, see her like running and actually throwing somebody. It, there's no, an edit. The, the so. throw isn't in there, but yeah. someone throwing themselves off the building mm-hmm. is. So you see I mean, them what, fall off the building and into oh, what, the pool. What's the name That's of the, uh, those, uh, the stunt catapults that they use in like oh, explosion scenes? The, there's uh, like little little springboards that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that uh, stunt people step on. I know what you're talking about. And they can like throws them several feet through the air. They use it in like explosions scenes to show that people are being propelled away from explosions. I, I honestly can't remember what they're called, but yes, it's, it's probably mm. something like that. But in any case, yeah, that's an absolutely absurd stunt, and it's not even Jackie Chan doing it. Like, mm. it's wild. Jackie Chan is framed for the murder of a corrupt cop, and now he's on the run, and he uh, tries to, like, turn himself in, but it turns out they're just like, hey, listen, we gotta, like, arrest you and stuff. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't think there'd be due process. <laughs> so he takes, like, the, the chief of police hostage, and he goes on this long rant about how the police don't really care about us, and why do the criminals have to, why do we have to follow rules that the criminals don't? And I do appreciate that there's at least one moment in the movie where someone says, because we're supposed to be better than them, Jackie. Yeah. You fuck. Um... Jackie Chan goes on the run and it ends in this gigantic fight sequence in a mall where every pane of glass will be broken. Mm-hmm. And it concludes with uh, the Bridget Lynn has evidence and she's thrown it over like, you know, four stories into like mm-hmm. the middle of this mall. And, and the bad guys are running down to get and it. Jackie, Jackie Chan has to jump down to get it. And he ends up grabbing a pole which is covered in Christmas lights. It's a Christmas movie, by the way. They don't really talk about that until right at the end, but it's a Christmas movie. Uh, It's covered in Christmas lights, and he slides down the pole, bringing every Christmas light in succession, which explodes. A lot of sparks. Yeah. And and again, shot in a way where you can see it's Jackie Chan doing it. And and this is, when Jackie Chan does his especially dangerous stunts, he will stop the movie dead to show you this from multiple angles. He won't intercut in the middle of the shot. No. But they did get covered, just in case one shot looked better than another. So they just, so, we see the, the, so same we see stunt, the three stunt three times. times like... Just until you know, that, that, that was mm. a big one. Mm. And Jackie Chan is sliding down this pole. The uh, Christmas lights are exploding. They were hooked up to the actual wall, so they were incredibly dangerously electrocuted. He burned his hands doing it. Mm. Uh, and, and he slides down through glass... <laughs> 
Crashing into a, yeah, a, a, yeah. A, a store with a glass ceiling below him. This is considered to this day one of the great movie stunts. And it, I think the thing that makes it like extra amazing is the Christmas lights. Because there's this popping noise that goes like, like it just makes it that much, and he keeps getting faster and faster, and it really sells you how accelerated it is, and it's a stunner. Yeah, yeah. it's a stunner. Like it's a hell of a thing. Um, it ends with Jackie Chan arresting the guy, but the guy's an asshole. So Jackie Chan uses a shocking amount of police brutality on a guy who's already been arrested, while the chief of police is just like, I didn't see nothing, and I'm like, okay, ACAB, and uh, then Jackie <laughs> Chan just. It fires off into a rage and that's something that's kind of interesting is this movie ends with Jackie Chan almost driven insane by how difficult it is to be an action hero mm. and I kind of like that it ends on that note that ends I think that gives it a certain bit of gravity that I think otherwise the movie doesn't have um but yeah Oh, and there's also a phone gag in the middle we forgot to mention oh well this is one of the comedic set pieces yeah. and which involves some pretty uh a few interesting stunt things. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a bit where he kicks a pencil off of a, like, the half hanging off of a desk and catches it in his hand. Mm-hmm. That requires just as much skill as sliding down a pole. It does, actually. With and Christmas lights on it. And, and uh, he's answering phones from all over this one police station, well, he, and they're all connected by wires, and the wires mm-hmm. get tangled up, and he mixes up the phones. And he, Yeah, he's, yeah. he's uh, snuck into his superior's office to make a, a phone call to, I think, I think it's to his girlfriend. He's making a phone call and, to his girlfriend and, while, like, uh, three different people are reporting crimes. But, yeah, then other phones begin ringing. All the phones look the same. He spins around. This is... Uh, by the way, these are all corded phones. This is 1985. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he tangles them up. He hangs up one receiver on the wrong phone. Yeah. Uh, gives Starts wrong talking. advice. Well, yeah. There's, giving, yeah. One of, them, one of the calls is about a missing cow. One of them is about a sexual assault, which is which a little is not disturbing. Funny. I mean, it's really fucking creepy, actually. And then yeah, another the, uh, one is about domestic abuse, mm. which is another one where they thought the, that would be funny. And it's like, yeah, okay, the, uh, that's the tone we're striking. That joke is aged bad. The the cavalier attitudes towards sexual assault in films uh, as late as like the 1990s is really shocking. It is. There's a... a I remember rewatching the film Hudson Hawk, a film I liked when I was a kid. Yep. I revisited it as an adult. And there's one line of dialogue where... Uh, there's like a, this cadre of like sort of bumbling thugs in the movie who are constantly yeah. sort of stalking about and murdering people and doing sort of funny acts of violence. Yeah. And one of them offers, like, at one point they're just sort of hanging out. It's like, what, what are we going to do? Are we going to wait for the other guy to go in and, like, kidnap those people? You want me to go in there and, like, sexually assault him a little bit? No, stay here. It's like, what? It's like, why Why did you offer that? Why would that? Like, and, why is that a casual joke that, that's in a, a movie? That's a casual joke in a movie. That yeah. was the attitude we had at the and time. And it's so fucked up. Mm. If you're enjoying a movie, here's this whimsical set piece where Jackie Chan is getting wrapped up in phone cords, mm. uh, saying the wrong thing at the wrong time while trying to eat his lunch, and then, boom, rocketed back to a really harsh reality. Mm. And, yikes. <laughs> I'm really glad... <laughs> That we're moved passing that we're we, we're we're moving past this because it is just boy is it kill the scene dead <laughs> it just kills this otherwise it, it makes, elaborately beautifully uh, choreographed scene it kills it dead it, it makes it I mean conceptually that's a good comedic set piece but some of the gags they decided to use they could have reported have, have any a, crime have aged poorly they could have reported any crime yeah. and they chose two really harsh mm. ones yeah yeah doesn't work but um. This was a movie that you hadn't seen, and but yeah, before we wrap this up, I just want to get your unadulterated take on mm. this because I know action movies aren't often your thing. They're they're not they're not my bag, and some yeah. of the ones we've watched uh, for this show have actually 
left me very sad. Uh, <laughs> but this one did not leave me sad. I think okay. because this is a comedy film, yeah. uh, as as much as it is an action film, uh, all of the uh, you know sort of the cop scenes in between the action set pieces are kind of bumbling cop scenes about how the, the Jackie Chan character is. Uh, uh, like he's a, a capable stunt kind of cop, but he wrecks yeah. stuff and he's constantly in trouble and he constantly is messing things up in a funny sort of way. He's not a, a peerless action hero. And Jackie Chan never really was. He was never that kind of cold, no. steely, uh, capable, no, unflappable action hero. He wanted hero. to be the underdog in every man and yeah. pretty much everything that he did. And so yeah. I, I think I... I like that about Jackie Chan. Yeah. And that's also why uh, there's certain action films that I, I I don't like that type of character in an action film. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched a film called Hard Boiled, a John yeah. Woo film. Uh, yeah, which, which has, is very much what Jackie Chan's kind of riffing on. Yeah, here. Ja- yeah, Jackie Chan is essentially making a parody of something like Hard Boiled. Yeah. Like, the, like the if you watch... It's yeah. some of the best you'll ever see in film yeah. in Hard Boiled. But the characters are also sad. You know, we, like, we I'm ta- not having fun with this. We've talked a lot about how you can use like a double feature as a form of criticism or commentary. Mm. I think if you watched, I think if you put Police Story as a double feature with a film like Hard Boiled or Cobra, mm. you would kind of see what Jackie Chan's doing here. Yeah, and how he's really taking the piss out of a lot of this, while also trying to acknowledge at least some severity in it. Well, and, and sometimes he whiffs it. Sometimes there are things he does really, really badly in this movie. But for the most part, as a genre riff, mm. this is actually really smart and pointed. Yeah, yeah uh, it's, but they're it's, just scenes that you can hardly watch today, unfortunately, because the humor's wrong. But yeah. uh, it, it's a good well, you know, th- that they at least were taking a comedic approach. The jokes, have, like I said, the jokes aged very badly, but at least that they're trying to do a comedy scene of it rather than yeah. make it just this like incredibly serious action picture. Uh, so I enjoyed myself. I, I saw that this is kind of uh, Jackie Chan was essentially making platonic ideals of B pictures. He's taking a lot of these really kind of cheap, bad action films, a lot of things, you know, you, you see cheap, bad action films at video stores in the United States all the time. And Jackie Chan's like, well, we'll do just sort of a light, kind of insubstantial cop story. And we'll just put all of the things that a B-movie audience wants to see, which is really good fighting and some humor and just enough emotion and story to kind of link them together. Yeah. And... And uh, so, yeah, I'm watching Police Story and I'm just enjoying it. I'm enjoying the B-movie. Uh, I'm enjoying how what good schlock it is. And, I, <laughs> and I'm using schlock in the most complimentary way possible. Yeah. Uh, I'm using it as a descriptor, not as, as a criticism. Right. Uh, sometimes I use schlock to, to dismiss something. I'm using schlock to describe this. And, yeah, no, uh, I think Jackie Chan is what he's doing. Yeah. Although this I think you would agree with me. This too. was actually a, very much acclaimed. This won the Hong Kong Award for Best Picture that year. Okay. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Here. It was up against the Semong vampire movie, Mister Vampire, uh, which is a very interesting <laughs> film. You should totally see it if you haven't. I've projected Mister um, Vampire. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen the other two nominees, but I did see those. Um, so anyway, that's Police Story. I again, I used to love this movie a lot. I still admire it a lot, but there are things where I'm just like, oh, I don't know. I'm a, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to watch this for fun as much as I used to, <laughs> having revisited it for the first time in like ten years. Uh, but uh, I'm glad it, it definitely there's a reason here it's, it's on Criterion and I hope uh, people have enjoyed our conversation about it mm. uh, next week on Critically Reclaimed oh, and, and there are other Police Story sequels as well yes there are some of them are very very that. good Police Story 2 is good I think New Police Story is very underrated okay uh, so uh, just throwing that out there mm. uh, but yeah we gotta we gotta get out of here because you have a hair appointment I do have a hair appointment uh, so before we go real fast the poll for next week's Critically Reclaimed we are looking at indie films on Tubi Tubi is a free service, which actually has a very interesting selection of films 
Uh, it's got commercials, but they're not too obtrusive. Um, and so the films that we have picked uh, are uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, which I think is the last film from director Sidney Lumet. Yes. Okay. Uh, it's I- Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's... Uh- it's widely acclaimed. Widely acclaimed. Yeah, I really big on the awards uh, I scene. When just it came couldn't out. remember if it was his last or not. Okay, uh, and then we have the Ken Loach film Riff Raff, uh, which is all about that one guy from Rocky Horror. Uh, yes, that's exactly yeah. that. We have the Andrea Arnold talking fish movie Fish Tank. Mm. Okay, I thought you were gonna try to no, no, me nothing. Okay. Got nothing. Okay, and then lastly, Caveman's Valentine, uh, directed by Casey Levitz. Uh, and uh, those are all films. We'll have a bit more description on the Patreon uh, to help mm-hmm. you make your decision. But uh, that is it for Critically Reclaimed this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you want to talk about anything we discussed on this episode, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Uh, and uh, we might read your email in an upcoming episode of our podcast, We've Got Mail. Whitney, what is our P.O. box? Send us a piece of physical mail. Uh, you can send it to Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. We are on Twitter at Critically, uh, sorry, at Critic Acclaim. They wouldn't let us use the whole title for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am at William Bibiani. Uh, I'm at Whitney Seibold. And um, I guess that's about it. That's about it. Bye! Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.